Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment on our uh, series of energy and uh, utilities in the energy transition. Uh, this is the second part of a two-part series uh, that we're doing with Pedro Carmo. Hi, Pedro. Do you want to introduce yourself again? Hi, Peter. Yeah, for sure. I'm a um, um, uh, renewable. I've been working for renewables in the last seven years. I guess in the last 20, I've been an energy and utilities guy. I did all kinds of things. But yeah, the last seven, I've been focusing on uh, both utility scale and uh, also behind the meter um, renewables. Oh, very good. Thank you. And uh, to remind everybody, I'm Peter Warren. I'm the global lead for energy and utilities here at CGI. Uh, in our last session, we talked a lot about what was happening in decarbonization and driving towards renewable energy and uh, different components. Uh, this one, we're going to pick it up and uh, maybe I'll start you off with another open-ended question here. Um, uh, uh, Pedro, could you tell us, you know, how, you know, what's the state of the energy market and the consolidation? A little bit more about that? Yeah, so worldwide, and also particular here in Australia, by the way, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm in Australia now. Used to be in Portugal, used to be in England. Now I'm here in, in Australia, so I like to travel a little, little bit. But yes, like um, it's not only here in Australia, it's kind of worldwide. Uh, we are starting to see a bit of mergers and acquisitions. So basically companies are, uh, you know, there's a bit of consolidation. And, uh, and the consolidation has been driving by um, the fact that there were some initial, uh, you know, some initial companies that made uh, initial investments on this area, while the big players, let's put it this way, sometimes in some cases stand behind a little bit, or no, um, and they're kind of looking and waiting for what's coming. And, and now they are seeing that you know they need to, as they set those targets for net zero, they they need to accelerate. And they need to accelerate fast. And uh, power plants sometimes take years to, not sometimes. The power plants do take time, um, do take time to, to build. Uh, from feasibility to operations, it can take, you know, five, six, seven years, depending on what we are talking about. So what these major players um, are starting to do is they're starting to acquire existing uh, existing. Um, companies or existing power plants, but also existing companies that own power plants. And with that, they bring in, they bring in uh, not only the portfolio, so the different uh, wind farms or solar farms, uh, so the different power plants, but also they bring in uh, the people and the tools they need and the processes they need to operate those. So that, that basically is how a lot of big companies, big players are starting to uh, accelerate towards their net zero net zero targets. Of course, uh, that brings with that, there's a lot of challenges that come um, that come with that. Um, but yeah, that's that's where the market is at the moment. And another interesting part, which is that the early adopters uh, are also taking the opportunity to do uh, some asset rotation. So basically making so they've made the investment, now they're making some money. Uh, you know, they are selling their assets, of course, uh, getting the money and investing in new ones and um, doing a little bit of asset rotation and, of course, making some profit as they go. Hey, well, what I'll do is ask you in a minute here a bit more of your thoughts about how people should approach this and, and, and deal with this, because I know you're helping uh, other clients right now with that. Uh, but first, maybe you could just go back a bit and talk about uh, dealing with the, the business and technology challenges as, as this market consolidation has happens. As people merge, you know, they've got a, a two of everything and... 14 different brands of everything in some cases. Uh, what, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? 
Yes, not two of everything, it's 14 of everything, yes. like you said. Uh, so, of course, uh, you know, I think like we've discussed on the, uh, on the previous episodes, uh, even just being a normal operator with different OEMs, etc., it's a bit of a complex environment. Uh, each OEM will bring their own uh, SCADA system, their own, um, you know, uh, types of data and so on, different protocols, um, etc. But when you acquire a company, um, it's another level, right? You not only uh, you inherit all of that, plus you know you have to incorporate incorporate all of that into your company. So not only not only the different OEMs from the, those different portfolios, you will have kind of completely different uh, you know operation operating models as well. So and operating models is another important thing to consider because not all all companies you know do maintenance and operation of all, of the power plants. They also do. There are different kinds of um, operating models. Models where they simply get the, you know, basically get the energy or the money out of the power plants all the way to doing everything from, you know, operations and, and maintenance. So when a company, a big player, um, acquire uh, one of these smaller companies or several of these smaller companies, they will inherit all the challenges that the smaller companies have. And they will have that need for uh, consolidation of several different business. And uh, that includes not only the, the tools, but also, of course, uh, the, the culture, the culture, the people, the process, and um, all that comes with the new company. And by the way, uh, which is kind of uh, interesting in this case, is, you know, we as CGI, we, we kind of have a bit of a pedigree on this. Um, we, we have been growing, as I think other, others will know. CGI has grown a lot through merchant and acquisitions. So we also have a bit of a experience, let's say, and uh, how to bring together uh, several different companies. And maybe that's something we could help the industry with. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. In fact, uh, we, uh, our own approach, when we've actually shared it with people, it's, it's about we buy balance sheets, but we integrate people and systems. Um, and having that sort of thought up front just sort of makes it a little bit easier. I'm not trying to take this all on one uh, big deal. Uh, and it's all about the people first, uh, the system second, and the balance sheet is the thing we bought, we wanted. So we're going to mm -hmm. optimize that and bring it forward. Um, so uh, you, you, know, you talked about it. What would you recommend as the approach to facilitate this trend? How do people sort of, you know, get this going even more? How do they pick up the pace mm -hmm. here? Well, definitely not uh, big bank approaches or anything like that. Uh, definitely uh, some gradual step-by-step uh, -step, uh, approach. Uh, and I think in this case, uh, because like I said, they will inherit, uh, they will inherit the, the, the different, all the different challenges, like the different OEMs, the different protocols, but also the different people, process, etc. So definitely new owners will, um, will need to um, you know, take a gradual step-by-step uh, -step, uh, approach to, to integrating all these companies and not try, <laughs> I'm going to use a, a nice expression uh, that I just came to mind, Not definitely not try to eat the elephant with one bite, just do it at a bite at a time, right? Uh, so, yeah, we can eat the elephant, but as long as we go it step-by-step. Yeah, that's well, that's bye, true, bye, bye. and I think that's true for data. You mentioned data earlier, and uh, you know it's uh, you know a lot of people look at technology as the answer. A data lake is going to solve my problems, but you know uh, if you put bad data into any system, data lake or otherwise, you're not getting the results. What's what's your thought mm -hmm. around uh, data and how to maintain that in all these systems? 
I have a particular thing about data lakes. It's something that, I, uh, to be honest with you, makes me laugh a lot of times. Because uh, people use the, the word data lake and they think, okay, we're going to bring all the data into our data lake and then that's it, that's done. Uh, and it's, you know, could, couldn't, be, uh, couldn't be far from the truth, right? So typically a lot of times we get not a data lake, but what I call a data swamp, uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> where basically we have a lot of data uh, in a lot of different formats and a lot of different uh, standards, etc. And basically... Uh, when the business uh, wants to use that data to, to of course, uh, to, to run their business and to improve availability and to improve their uh, performance, they just, yeah, they will have a very, very hard time. Um, of course, they can do it. Of course, it's, everything is possible. But that's not the, the, that's not the way to do it. Um, the way to do it would be to basically, uh, you know, ingest the data, standardize the data, and then uh, make it available, yes, to the business, but in a standardized and structured and structured way, so that then, yeah, the business can can you know make the best out of out of that data as well. But also, like Peter, if I can, go ahead. yeah, go on. No, no, I was just going to say one of the clients referred to it as maintaining a garden. Um, you know, you, you don't plant a garden and go away and then come back in the fall and expect to have good vegetables and, and, and pretty flowers. I mean, it's a it's full of weeds and it's pretty nasty if you're not maintaining it on a daily basis. And um, his point uh, was very good is that it's about going back and pruning it on a daily basis, finding out where there's a weed, dealing with it at that time and correcting it. And I think that analogy works very well for uh, for for. Just day-to-day data. It's yeah. not something, it's, it's yeah. not a one and done. No, not at all. And also, uh, maybe not go for, you know, of course, we would, companies, coming back to the merchant acquisitions, companies would, of course, like to impose or basically, you know, start having a great system that is global and that basically where they can uh, incorporate everything in one in one solution, etc. But the reality is that's going to be, uh, again, a step-by-step approach or a bite-by-bite, coming back to the elephant uh, <laughs> approach. Um, and what I would basically suggest and what I've seen others doing is, uh, you know, start with the basics again, start with the data, and then may- maybe the, net, the first step up would be to try to uh, do a global monitoring solution. So basically, let's, you know, leave the companies, the individuals, for, for the time being, you know, using their own systems, their own people, their own um, tools and, and culture, etc. But at least let's bring uh, visibility to a global uh, level and have put in place some kind of global monitoring solution that can provide visibility of the main KPIs. And then, of course, you can gradually, uh, you know, step, step uh, towards the, the rest, right? Then you can bring in real-time supervision, you can bring in, uh, you know, the, the actual performance maintenance management, uh, actually maintenance and so on in some cases. But again, uh, step by step, and let's start with the basics and, and, and let's, yeah, let's not aim, aim uh, immediately for, for the moon. Let's get to the moon, but yeah, on a step by step. Yeah, it's about, um, uh, like our other folks often refer to it, it's about having the data that you trust so you can have trusted action. So look at the data you've got that's going to enable this trusted action that I've got to do now. Um, And we're all driving, I guess, towards a a date. Uh, We all have a calendar happening 20... 30 is definitely a big date on many people's uh, future. Uh, uh, Governments have set policies and we're moving all in those directions. Um, Will those 
market challenges be you know accomplished by then in your expectation do you think that there'll be some cross industry interplay just how do you think 2030s are going to look in reality or in, in your, your current best guess anyways yeah i'm an optimistic so <laughs> i would like to think that yes uh we're gonna you know uh we will reach out we need to in a way we need we need to 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 try as best as we can to reach those 2030 2050 uh, net zero targets, but let's let's be uh, optimistic, like I am, but also realistic. So it's not going to be easy, and we don't have all the, the solutions right now, uh, but it's possible. So if we all work together, if we all drive towards those targets, uh, it's 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 not impossible. Um, the, the, but uh, the other point you've mentioned, which I think is quite important as well, is the cross industry consolidation. Um, still on this, uh, still on this topic of consolidation. We are seeing consolidation within the, you know, energy and utilities, but also we started seeing consolidation across industries, right? Uh, the, the big ones, the big players, uh, for instance, that we've talked before, uh, for instance, the oil and gas, uh, it's the first ones that you can talk about. Of course, oil and gas are now starting to move towards uh, renewable energy, uh, uh, which makes it very interesting. And it, it's bringing a lot of dynamic into the market because, of course, they have... Um, they have a lot of money in the end, and a lot of investment capacity, um, and so they are they are driving a lot of um, advances, and you and we see that a lot. I see that here in Australia. I see that I saw that in in, in Europe. I'm actually working for um, uh, for a oil oil and gas company where we're doing exactly that. Um, basically, they're starting to acquire different power plants, acquiring different companies. To bring in um, the, to accelerate again, to accelerate towards their net zero targets, um, but that that consolidation across industries will go will go to to other industries. The, what we see a lot uh, at the moment is uh, you know companies like Amazon or even um, you know IKEA etc. is uh, the most known uh, cases where they make uh, power purchase agreements or PPAs with energy providers. That's the first step, kind of the, again, step-by-step approach. Um, that's what they normally start with. So basically, they make contracts to acquire uh, energy, renewable energy, so to decarbonize their um, their businesses. So they use renewable energy. Um, so they start by just establishing PPIs with companies and basically buying energy off them. But, but then also you start to see them, uh, you know, having creating joint ventures uh, and in some cases going into the market them, themselves. So, you know, for instance, uh, companies companies like Amazon um, is also, it's a known thing, so I can mention it. They, they already have a big, big investments in, in renewables as well, so in, in renewable generation. Um, and, and, and they own and they will start in the future to become maybe players or big players in this in this area. Yeah, we're talking on one of our other podcasts that people aren't necessarily doing things the same old, same old as they used to uh, data centers in Iceland. So it's cold up there for a good part of the year. You don't have to cool it so much. Uh, the excess heat you can actually sell. They've got a ability to do that. And they've got geothermal energy. Um, and uh, that's, you know, people are looking beyond, you know, uh, the old ways of doing things to innovation. And I'm impressed with every one of them that I read about. Um, just as we look to wrap this up a little bit, um, how do those market shifts 
impact the energy transition specifically for the energy and utilities industry? Bringing it back to maybe our core audience here, uh, how does all of that come back and, and roost on their shoulders? Now, that's, that's uh, you know, the, the good thing is this is, we are going through a, a massive uh, revolution uh, or, you know, um, similar to the, indus the industry um, revolution or the industrialization revolution. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the world will be very different uh, in 2030, in 2050, etc., from an energy production and a transmission, distribution and consumption, right? So all, all the energy uh, value chain will definitely change. Um, I see, I personally see the future, uh, of the future of the grid is massively distributed. That's my view. I think we will have, I have this concept of spider web, which I don't know if people understand, but for me, I will see, uh, it's, it's, it will be very, very, very highly distributed where each node will be a producer and consumer. And a good example is not only at our houses where we can be a producer and consumer of energy, but what we can also talk about, for instance, in mining, where miners can basically produce their own energy uh, to, to, of course, to run uh, their own businesses. But also, if they have excess capacity and if the price is right, of course, they can also uh, sell it back to the grid. So I think in the in the future, what we will see is a completely decentralized um, network, rather than you know today or you know several or some years ago, we had a clear one one way direction from generation to distribution to transmission distribution and retail. And I think we will now see uh, a highly distributed grid with each node uh, playing a very important role as a consumer and the producer uh, of energy. And then, of course, we'll have the grid, right? We'll have the grid to ensure that the, yeah, that both all of those nodes are connected and that the energy flows back and forth as needed, right? So if, if, uh, if I need, if I, am, if I have my solar roofs, etc., and, and yeah, today is not sunny and I need energy, my batteries are flat, I can bring energy from the grid. And if there is there is a, a sunny day and I have excess capacity of energy, I can sell it back. And the same applies for big industries or big players. It's the same. It's the same concept. Yeah, and I, you've mentioned the uh, the grid, meaning the electrical grid. But I think you know, gas uh, systems are going to become a grid now too. Gas lines have t traditionally been one way. Now, as hydrogen and other <laughs> yeah. other products get blended into there, and it's uh, it's interesting the concepts of uh, maybe even putting ammonia in there and other components, depending on what people are trying to do. Um, you know, these grids are going to be bidirectional, and it's going to be interesting how the gas networks will have to now learn from what we've done in the electric industry for a while yes. with, with with things so it's it's going to be an interesting shift um as we wrap up here uh, pedro maybe one or two thoughts just for the audience uh, key points takeaways from maybe the last two sessions we've done we've done two episodes on this yeah so um, you know picking up on your gas i, I just again um, <laughs> emphasize the emphasize the step-by-step -step approach and also the whole hands approach so let's not these you know let's take take everything in, right? So, for instance, you've mentioned the gas. Uh, of course, we would like to, to uh, decarbonize or, or get rid of the gas and put hydrogen immediately on our pipe. But unfortunately, at the moment, as we are now, the technology is not there. But there are other things we can do, we can, and we can do it straight away. A good example is, which have been trialed and uh, successfully trialed, is to, to basically incorporate small percentages of hydrogen into the gas 
into the gas uh, pipeline. So basically, without changing any, any of our appliance or any of our infrastructure, we can simply use a little bit less gas and a little bit more hydrogen um, you know, in, into that, into that uh, by, by introducing hydrogen into the mix. And by doing that, it's a small step forward, right? We, uh, we, we, have, a big, we have big targets ahead of us. But yeah, we need to do it uh, and, and step by step. And I think from from our two sessions, I think my key message here will be: you know, this is uh, you know very exciting times. Uh, we need optimism. We need people that want to drive this forward, that believe we we can do it, have the the, the strength and the willingness uh, to do it to make it happen. But also, we need this uh, whole hands approach, right? Let's not discard any technology, any option. Uh, without basically, you know, making sure uh, we we access we access all the uh, or evaluate all the you know pros and cons of each technology um, before we make any decisions. And I think that all hands approach and a gradual all hands approach is what will um, in the end will take us to our targets, the, our net zero targets. Well, thanks very much. So keep it bite size, <laughs> have fun, be innovative, uh, look to make have a difference, fun. and uh, and uh, include everybody. I think you, you you include everybody, all hands. Get neurodiversity going on. Get a bunch of people from a different opinions and different viewpoints, and be innovative. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's a great approach. We don't all have the. No one has a single answer. It's it's collective. So I agree. Yeah, and we have a lot to learn. And it's, uh, you know, it starts with you and me again. Uh, I think we all need to do our, our, bit, our uh, bits of this. We all need to contribute to this massive trans transition. And if we, it starts with me, it starts with you, it starts with our children. It starts with, uh, you know, doing the right things. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe we cannot do everything we would like to do, but, you know, let's do it whatever we can. And everything, every little uh, small action or small difference we can make, everything happens. Everything helps. Yeah, it's a chance to have fun, make money, and make a difference all at the same time. So yeah. thank you very much, Pedro. All the best. Uh, have a great day. I'm having a nice evening in a bit, uh, given the time shift. So uh, we'll talk to you again, Pedro. See ya. See you. See you, Peter. Nice talking to you, as usual. Bye-bye.